Okay. Acts chapter 20, starting from 17. I think we've read it, isn't it? So I'm just going to look at it broadly and then we'll go home. Isn't that? Okay. From Letus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. Amen. We started talking last week about the manner of life of Paul. And the broad stroke is the characteristics of leadership traits. And we identified 21 character traits in Paul. And we are praying, or my prayer is that all these character traits will be found in our lives. Amen. Amen. And you see, leadership is important because leadership encompasses every area of our lives. You can lead yourself from poverty to prosperity. You can lead yourself from backsliding to spirituality. You can lead yourself from a, a, a negative place to a positive place. You can lead yourself from wherever to the desired place. And I said to you that leadership is about moving from the place where you are to the desired place. So whatever, wherever you desire to be, there is the anointing of leadership available to lead you into that place. Amen. Amen. And you see, sometimes when we talk about leadership, people feel that it's not very spiritual because it's like, it's not talking about anointing, it's not talking about Holy Spirit and all that. So you can't see, seem to relate it to spirituality. But I want you to understand that without leadership, you will not be spiritual. Hallelujah. And you see that anybody and everybody who became very, very anointed had leadership quality in the Bible. There's nobody who became very spiritual who did not have the right leadership qualities. So you cannot do without these traits or these uh, uh, characteristics that we are talking about. Even if you are going to be powerfully anointed. And you see, when you are heavily anointed and you don't have leadership traits, <laughs> your anointing will not last. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because Life is such that there is somebody who is ready and able and willing to steal from you and destroy you. So your anointing without the leadership quality, it will be taken away from you. The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. If you are not a leader, you'll be stolen from you will be destroyed and killed. Hallelujah. So, Paul comes to the church. He, in fact, he didn't even go to the church. He got to uh, Malta. Miletus is in Malta. He got to Malta and he sent to Ephesus to call the elders. Because this was not about the church. It was about the leaders of the church. Because, you see, the Bible says that strike the shepherd... And the sheep will scatter. Are you with me? So without the shepherds, the sheep don't stand a chance. That is why we in this room must learn to become leaders. And become good quality leaders. So that the sheep will stand a chance of survival. So Paul comes and he calls the elders, the leaders of the church. And he said to them, I want to teach you 21 qualities of leadership that is in my life that I want you to emulate. Amen. And he said that you know. And when he, he came, he said they came to they had come to him. He said to them, You know, from the first day I came to Asia, my manner of life my lifestyle. Because, you see, sometimes we can hide behind a lot of uh, power, a lot of anointing, and do a lot of magic. But the fruit of the Spirit has nothing to do with power. It has nothing to do with how hard you pray. It has nothing to do with the level of, uh, what do you call it, word you have inside of you. It's character. So, say that, say that somebody's anointed and you want to 
Examine his anointing. He takes you to Galatians. And now these are the fruit of the spirit. With the, any, the fruit is the offspring of the spirit. So when we want to test that the, the, the spirit is inside of anybody, we look at the offspring. And the offspring will tell us whether the spirit, with the spirit of God, the anointed and his anointing is inside of the person. And you see that all the things that they list, there is no uh, healing, there is no prophecy, there is no raising of the dead, there is no uh, all this magic. But it's proper character. Are you getting what I'm saying? Manner of life. So my prayer for us is that let us not be carried away in, in leadership and carried away with the, with the uh, effervescence of, of leadership uh, 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 and feel that we are, we are, we are okay, I'm, I'm the pastor of the church, I'm the leader of the church, I'm the minister of the church. No, 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 no. It's your character. Let's see your character. Let's examine the character. And let's see whether we can find the character traits that Paul is talking about. And I said to you last week, we identified 21, isn't it? And he started, he says that, and serving the Lord with what? Humility. And we said the first thing was what? The spirit of humility. And I said to you that, what did I say? Have you written anything now? True humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Anytime you think of yourself less, then you're exhibiting the marks of leadership. When you think about others more than you're thinking about you, then you are exhibiting leadership. Amen. And then the second one, let's, are we reading the scripture? Uh, with many tears and trials, which happened serving the Lord with all humility. That's the first one, isn't it? Humility. What did I say? Humility. And then the second one was what? Serving the Lord. Servanthood. Amen. And I said to you that servanthood is not what you do, but what is in your heart. Are you with me? Servant is not what you are doing, but the heart you carry. When he said this, someone, this, is a, this person is a servant of God, it's not his preaching that makes him a servant of God. It's not the office he sits in that makes him a servant of God, but it's the heart he carries that makes him a servant of God. A heart of service. A heart that is ready to serve. It's a servant's heart. And I told you that we have, we have different types of leadership, isn't it? We have the authoritative leader. We have the bossy leader. And we have the servant type of leader. Are, are you with me? The, the, the authoritative leader is the one that lost his leadership over the people that he oversees. And he genders fear. So the people are afraid of him. He thrives on fear. The bully boy type of leader. And you see them in church. There are a lot of styles of leadership in church. You have the bully boy type of leader in the church with the pastor. And everybody's afraid of him. <laughs> That's another style of leadership. You know, you, you, you say, he'll kiss you right now or he'll invoke some, 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 something on you right now. But you, you can't just approach him by heart. <laughs> yeah, that's one. Then you have the one that is like, everything has to be about me. Everything has to be about me. It's like, even when he's preaching, he's preaching, everything's about him. He's, it's like, everybody has to serve me. I was talking about it last week, isn't it? And then you have the servant type of leader. And I said to you that the one that has a lot more people with them for a very long time is the servant type of leader. 
Because that's the person that is easily relatable. See, when Jesus came, he chose the seven type of leader. He was a seven type of leader. That's how come when he got to Gethsemane, they had to find the Judas to kiss him, to identify him, because he was, they were servants. All of them were servants. So including him, so it was not easy to identify him. Uh, you get what I'm saying? And we read that the Bible says that he was wearing nice robes when they, 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 they at the crucifixion. So if he was wearing nice robes, it means that he had been wearing nice robes even in the garden. So it's not about your dress. It's not about where you sit or how you sit and everything. But it's the heart that you carry. Hallelujah. Let's move on quickly. The next one was what? It says that how I have kept nothing that was helpful, but I proclaimed it. As I have received it, I gave it to you. Integrity. You know, and I was saying to you last week that there's a the leader that always needs you to depend on them. Isn't it? It's like anything that if you have a dream, you have to come and ask me. It's like if you read the Bible, you have to come and ask me. I'm not going to teach you to be able to hear for yourself and understand and know God for yourself. You know, Eli was a priest. Samuel was understudy of a priest. Eli was a backsliding priest. But he was still a priest with integrity. So that what he knew of God and the voice of God, he did not hide it from Samuel. He said, go and lie down. And when he calls again, say, master, speak for your seven years. In our day today, some pastors, they, they will never ever tell you that. When you, you, whatever you hear, come and tell me. Let me interpret it for you. Are you it's, it's funny we are laughing about it. But I'm praying that by the time we finish, you will not be that type of person. That what you hear, you deliver it. Are, are you with me? When what you know, you share. That it must not, it, 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 you are not a, a pseudo Jesus Christ. That we have to pass through you to get to know God. Are you, are you getting what I'm saying? You have to teach me how I can also know God so that I can go and know God for myself without having to come through you all the time. Are you getting what I'm saying? You will see that anybody that passed through Paul became an apostle of his own, a leader of his own. Talk about Timothy, talk about Titus, talk about Papyrus, talk about Matthew, talk about Mark, talk about Onesimus, talk about all the people. Even the people that Demas and Koda deserted him, he, all, he taught them to know God for themselves. Are you getting what I'm saying? Part of what we must become as leaders is leaders with integrity. And I said to you, we look this scripture that we always see in 1 Corinthians 11.23, which we use to take off uh, communion. It says that, I have received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. What I have received, I, told, I taught you. Exactly what he told me. See, when you read the Bible, Jesus spent three and a half years with the disciples. He taught them a lot of things. But not everything he taught them that he wrote. So the Bible summarizes that and the many other things that he said to them that all the pages in the world cannot contain. Because they were not men of integrity. So they did not put everything down. But for Paul, everything that he taught me, I have taught you. What I received of the Lord. I wasn't there on the night he was betrayed. But nobody taught me. Nobody told me how he was betrayed and then the uh, upper room, he, he, he blessed the, uh, uh, 
the wine and bless the bread and gave it to them. Take it. This is my body, though it is broken for you. It's a New Testament. After Peter never said anything about, about the New Testament communion. Mark didn't say anything. Luke didn't say anything. Matthew, none of them said anything about the communion. But this particular scripture he's quoting can be found in all the synoptic gospels. But none of them told us the significance of the communion. But for Paul, we wouldn't know. Are you getting the difference in, in, in leadership traits? And he taught us that what I've received, I'm not going to hide it like the others have hidden it. I'm going to deliver it. That's how come we have the power of the communion today. Are you getting it? And when you read the whole of chapter 11, you will see that the, the communion is very powerful. When you are under oppression, you take the communion, you get delivered. When you, 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 you take the communion, God, the spirit of God comes into you. It's a very powerful thing. Communion is not a, a simple thing. It's not a ritual. It's a very, very powerful thing. That's why it's like some of you don't discern the body rightly. That's how come you are sick and dying. Because you take it for granted. Because the communion has so much power. But nobody taught us. And to Paul, I pray that anything God reveals, you will not hold it back. Amen. Let's go on. Next. So, sorry. How I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you. And I taught you publicly. He was committed, devoted to the doctrine. Remember in Acts of chapter 2, and were devoted to the apostles' doctrine. Paul was devoted to the doctrine, committed to it, that I'm not going to deviate. So you see that Paul always says that this is the mind of God. Then the time, few times he deviated to talk about marriage. He said, this is not God. This is mind thinking. Are <laughs> you getting the difference? Yeah, because he was committed to just what he has been taught to teach. And a few times that he talked about his thinking from what he knows, he clarified, said, this one is not God, it's me. <laughs> Hallelujah. You get the difference? He was committed. You cannot be a leader who is not committed to the word of God. You cannot be a leader who is not committed to God and God's purpose. You cannot be a leader. You see, leadership is such that it's very dynamic. Most bad leaders started good, started well. They had good intentions. But you see, as you go on and you are promoted and lifted and people are bowing down to you, you say power corrupts and uh, absolute power corrupts absolutely. absolutely. So if you don't take care and you don't commit yourself to follow the thing, the same thing that has brought you this far, you don't keep at it and keep following it, keep following it, you'll be puffed up. You'll be puffed up and when you're puffed up, you'll go wrong. So it is very, very important that you stay committed to the word, not to add yourself. That is how come you see all these type of Jim Jones and all these type of false prophets, they all started well. But after a while, this, this, the doctrine changed. Now they are saying, pray to me. Now I am the one. Now it becomes something else. But if you look at the earlier doctrine, it was all correct. <laughs> you, you understand? But when you deviate, you see, deviation is not wide. When you are on the train, this one is going to, this track is going to Manchester. It's leaving Leeds to go Manchester. This one is going to Liverpool. But they are side by side for miles and miles and miles together. You would think that you're on the same track. But it gets to a point, you see that that slight deviation causes a massive difference in the destination. Hallelujah. Are you understanding what I'm trying to say? Yeah. But it started well. It start everybody they start and for, for months they were together. But then you see one passes here and one passes there. You have to be very, very conscious. 
You see, commitment comes from uh, steadfastness. And steadfastness is a marine term that says anchor, keep on course. Because on the sea, there's no turn right, turn left, turn right. When you get to a traffic light, you turn left. No, no, there's nothing like that. The sea, everywhere looks the same. So if you are not steadfast on the compass, you will not get to your destination. Hallelujah. You find yourself in Haiti when you are going to uh, Papua New Guinea. You are, you are supposed to be here, but you find yourself there. Why well, you think you are in the same place? You won't see when the, the, the thing turned. We must be sure we stay committed. And that is why we must allow those who are behind us to be able to come and say, mm, I think that there's a shift. I don't think, I'm not sure about this thing. I, I'm not, my mind is not right about this particular thing that you are saying. The Bible says, and the people of Berea were more noble than the people of Thessalonica. Why? Because when they heard the word, they went to search the scriptures to see if it was so. Because you see, what happens is that sometimes when you get very, very powerful and you get promoted and you get, you, 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 get, you know, it's like people can see the, 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 the manifestation of your anointing. Now, various people, the church has uh, multiply and now things are happening. Healing, dead people are being raised and everything. You can use that as an authentication to whatever you are doing. Even if it's wrong. Uh, are you getting one? That's why you see that the man starts to sleep with everybody in the church. But the manifestation doesn't change. People are still getting healed. People are still being raised from the dead. Things are still happening. The church is still growing. Everything is working. And then if you try to confront uh, but if I was not right, would God be? But it's the gift of callings of God. I read that with repentance. When God gives you, he doesn't take it away. So when you even when you deviate, the manifestation will still be there. Are you with me? That is like a, it is safe for us as leaders to make sure that we are humble enough to allow people to come to us and say, mm, Pastor, this thing I'm not sure. Can you, can you explain to me why we are doing this? Should we be doing this? And don't be intimidated. And don't be too high to come down and explain. And if the explanation doesn't work, be humble enough to say, mm, leave it with me. Let me go and study my text again. And come back. Uh, are you getting? But you see, our insecurity makes us. No, 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 no. I'm right. You are wrong. Our culture doesn't make an elder person, an elderly person, wrong. <laughs> you, the subordinate, you always be wrong, even when you are right. Are you getting it? But we must allow for that to work around us, because it's safe. Am I making sense? So that somebody can come and say that, no, Brother Pastor, I think that this thing you're saying, I, I, I read the Bible, I, didn't, I don't think that's what he's saying. <laughs> that's how come your, 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 your uh, sermon and everything must also line with the Bible, Scripture, so that we are safe. Because see, it gets to a point, some pastors, Pastors preach and it's not scripture. From the beginning to the end, there's no Bible. Have you not seen that before? He will come and preach from beginning to end, not even one scripture. But it sounds very, very scripture and very anointed. And when you look at the pedigree of the person who's talking to you, it must be true. You believe it. Are, are you getting what I'm saying? Yeah. So let not anybody fool us. And let's not allow Satan to fool us. Are you with me? So make, make room around you for people to come in. Like, Pastor, I think there's something not right. Am I making sense? Let's move on quickly. I think we've done all this. That's what we got to. Yeah? Number 
Okay, verse 21. Let's go to verse 21. Testifying to Jews who, and also to Greeks, repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. See, he said, I was testifying to the Jews and to the Greeks. It's only Paul who was not prejudiced. He was, for the rest of the disciples, they were all preaching only to the Jews. In fact, the reason Paul and Peter fell out was because Peter was saying that listen, the, the gospel is only for the Jews. And, Peter, and Paul said, no, no, no. I don't know where you got your, your, your revelation from, but for me, Jesus told me that there is neither Greek nor Jew, neither bond nor slave, neither male nor female. It is for everybody, whosoever will may come. See, sometimes as leaders, as leaders, we, we attract our kind to us. I don't know whether you understand what I mean. So I'm African from Ghana. So I attract my kind. So are you African? Are you from Ghana? Are you African? Are you from Ghana? Are you African? Are you from Ghana? Because not that I necessarily want Ghanaians around me, but like is easier. Are you with me? So if you don't take your time and you don't take time, you will see that around you is all one dimensional. Before you realize, you become prejudiced. And all the people that you, you, you work with are people of your kind. Am I making sense? So sometimes you have to even be, go the opposite way to reject people of your kind and use, rather use people who are away from you to help you blend. I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. Otherwise, you end up being one-dimensional. See, the most segregated time in any place is church time. Yeah, most segregated. Sunday morning is the most segregated. When you see the color of the pastor, is the color of everybody in the church. Where the pastor comes from is the majority of the church. You know, when uh, somebody called me, a pastor in this country called me, said, uh, I, hear, I was watching your international day. They said you have, you have uh, those 24 nations represented in your country. He said that, no. The pastor said, so all the countries that came on stage and the people, are they from where they said they are from? Or is it like Ghanaians that <laughs> you are just carried? Then I was saying that, no. Majority were not able to come because we're running out of time. He said, no, 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 no. No, no, I, tell me the truth. Because I, I, I'm, I'm here. I'm here with you. You can tell that to somebody else, but me, I'm here with you. And it, 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 it's, it's, it's like that. If you don't make a conscious effort, you will surround yourself with your kind. Are you getting what I'm saying? Because it's a natural thing. Peter and the rest were very comfortable from Jerusalem with the Jews. When the Hellenistic Jews, they are Jews, but the Hellenistics, they are like, they are not 100%, they are half-half. Join them in the daily distribution of food. There was, there was partiality. partiality. <laughs> How many remember? Yeah, uh, the, widows. the widows were complaining that, Acts chapter says, they were complaining that they, they are not serving them well. Okay. Why? Because they, 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 it's a very normal thing that you look after your kind. <laughs> You bless your kind. Are, are you getting what I'm saying? You, so you see, as a leader, if you're not conscious, you see that you favor only the people who come from where you come from. You naturally lean towards them. So any time you have to work, you, you prefer to work with the people. I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. You know, this girl came to church before this girl. This girl sings very well. This girl sings very well. This girl is from where I come from. This girl is not from where I come from. I said, you are my leader. <laughs> Simple. I, no, 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 you are my leader. And it's very deliberate. Because where I, where I come from, where she comes from, 
Christmas in my bed. Sit down. You understand? So when I bring her in and put her in front, then it makes it easier for anybody who comes who is not like her, come from the place I come, to relate. Do you understand? And it makes it easier for her to relate and know that, listen, I am here and I have the backing of the man here. So I am a born again, again Ghanaian. <laughs> you can't come and tell me that you are better than me. Are you with me? So if, if uh, they have an issue and she comes to report me, uh, to her, me, her to me, it's, it's not like, oh, my Ghanaian counterpart. So, uh, no, 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 no. Uh, are you getting the, the, the wisdom in it? Yeah. That's why I put uh, Ross to be the one. It's deliberate. It would have been easier to say, oh, Pastor Sam, or Michael, or uh, uh, Pastor William, or uh, Uncle Fred to come and do it. It would be easier. You see, we had to really contend with Ross. Because when I told him to come and moderate, he thought I had called him to come and preach. So he had gone to prepare sermon. <laughs> you see, and, and that's what happens when you are working with somebody who doesn't come from where you come from. Because your mind is not, you are not on the same wave. So Anna said you are coming to moderate, you want to prepare sermon. Then he was like, how many minutes is my sermon? <laughs> for first service, and how many minutes is my, second, my sermon for second service? So they had to now call him and try and convince him that, no, no, it's not like that. They wanted to do that. Then he's like, he was getting agitated because it's like, ah, references I'm preaching. He said, uh, yeah, he said that he's been in this church for a long time, longer than most of you here. Ross has been in the church more than everybody, longer than everybody in this room. So he says, yes, help me preach. Now he thinks that he can preach. He knows how, how the preaching goes. I'll read the scripture. I'll come and explain the scripture. I'll walk around and talk and give a few points. I, he can preach. Yeah. Yeah. So it's your, he, was, he was actually very, very angry with Pastor Sam and Go. Trying to explain that, no, no, Pastor says I'm preaching. You are trying to change what Pastor said. So I was having a meeting with some people and he walked into the room. These people are trying to change what you said. <laughs> Can you explain what you said again? I said, no, no, no. I did not say you should preach. I said you should moderate. Uh, so, and he stood there for a while trying to get me to change. Yeah. See, that is the reason why people find it easier to work with people who have the mind. Are you getting what I'm saying? But that single funny act has opened the church up. Are you with me? So now somebody else will come and see Ross standing here. Different race. Different mindset. And he's still on stage. And we're all sitting there clapping for him. It's opened the church up. Are you getting me? Now somebody will come. Because he came with his friend. The friend will say, ah, this church is like, one day I can stand here and also hold the microphone. <laughs> I've, I've been with Ross for, for the last five, six years. I've never seen Ross wear a tie before, ever. Ever. He sometimes wears shorts to come to church. Sometimes he has come to church on Sunday without shoes, just T-shirt and shorts, barefooted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's, he's cool like that. Are you, are you getting me? But you, you, you deliberately encourage people who are not like you into the fold. Give them the chance to shine. They will cause confusion now and again. <laughs> are, you trying, are you getting what I'm trying to say? Someone said, who are those children who are just monkeying about and jumping up and down? It's deliberate. Yeah. 
Why would we call young people to come and do the, uh, what do you call it, do the MCing and everything when there are adults sitting there who can do it better and more dignified? No, because we want to open the church up so that young people can relate, adults can relate. Are you getting what I'm saying? Because if you don't take care, your church becomes one dimensional. Because I mean, if I called uh, uh, Pastor Ben to come and do the moderation, he would have been a serious thing. How many can understand it? There's no laughter and this type of jumping, hey, hey, and then this type of, no, no, what's up, what's up, what's up type of thing. There won't be any what's up type of. Do you understand? It's like, this is a church. This is not a children's playground. We want to be serious. For pastor, let's be serious. Let's be spiritual. We call this type of children, they are jumping up and down. And no, 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 no. Are, you see how they came in? There's a rap. I don't know whether it was a rap they were doing or something to come in. But it's deliberate. Are you getting what I'm saying? It's deliberate. Because it opens the, 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 the church up so that young people can relate. Old people can also relate. There will be a time when they will call old people to do. So that old people think will also know that this is also our church. Are, are you getting what I'm saying? Yeah, so that the children don't think that it's a, it's a Sunday school. <laughs> Are you getting what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Paul was not prejudiced at all. As a leader, you must fight prejudice. You must fight it. You know how many times I've fought, Pastor, you want to sing Ghana songs? Not this church. Next, don't. We want to sing African songs. I mean, when we started the church, Few of us, we are singing. People came to church. So the church don't allow us to feel free and be ourselves. We want to sing Ghana songs, African songs, and feel you feel the spirit. This type of white man song, it doesn't carry the spirit. I said, Have you seen that church go there? You have to fight sometimes to stay on course, to be inclusive. Everybody can relate. Everybody can relate. Are you getting it? Even as a pastor, the examples you give is not back home. Back home where? Because as soon as you say back home, you have segregated the church. <laughs> are you getting it? Or those you give example of Ghana. All your examples are Ghana. This is not Ghana. You see, when we're in body house, what is body house? No, all of us went to body house. <laughs> Are you getting it? So you have to always try and mix it up. So that you're, because your preaching is, what you feed is what you grow. So if you feed Africa, you grow Africans. If you feed Kenya, you grow Kenyans. If you feed South Africa, it goes. You see, when I was in South Africa, the Ghanaians in the church were not happy with me because they wanted the top positions in the church because I'm a Ghanaian. I said, Me, I'm not a Ghanaian, I'm a Zulu boy. <laughs> no! <laughs> yeah, Ghanaian. So it's like, I mean, I'm favoring the foreign. They are, they, they are, we are in South Africa. They, Pastor, you're favoring the foreigners of us. <laughs> Who is foreigner? Whose land are you in? And that was my greatest criticism. My greatest criticism. Pastor, you're favoring the foreigners of us. Yeah, because when you look at my leaders, majority of them, in fact, I didn't even have one Ghanaian in there. When you look at my, there was no one Ghanaian in my leadership. It was deliberate. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yeah. It's deliberate. So I'm saying that for all of us as we are growing. You know, it's very easy. That small group you're handling. It's very easy to turn the group to the people who are you tend to flow with. 
You do understand what I'm saying? And normally, the people you tend to, either they are same age as you, same circumstances as you, or same nationality, or same continent, or whatever. So you see that the, your, your church begins to, or your department begins to skew. Then it becomes just you. Because you can't relate with children. Because you're an adult. So you, the department has become an adult education dagbani. <laughs> there's only adults in the, in, the, in the place. Are you with me? Like, uh, there's only young people in the choir. Or you can relate only with young people. Are you getting? You can't relate with adults. So there are no adults in the choir. It's an indictment of your leadership. I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. It's only women in your in your department. It's an indictment of your because there's no male or female. <laughs> Let me read the scripture. Galatians. Galatians chapter 3, verse 28. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, <clears throat> neither slave nor free, nor there is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ. So I want to see a lot of men in the choir and a lot of women and a lot of people who don't look like you and a lot of people who look like you. Then it means you are balanced. Am I making sense? And that would mean that you have to go out of your own comfort zone to relate with these people, those people, those people, those people. Hallelujah. Are you getting it? He says that I became all things. First Corinthians 9.22. To the weak I became weak. To win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means, I might save some. Amen. Let's move on next one, 21. Verse 21, quickly. Testifying to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. He was compassionate to teach them repentance. See, one of the secrets to true ministry one of the secrets to true ministry, I don't care what type of ministry you are doing, one of the secrets to success in true ministry is compassion. If you are singing to a group of people, are you listening to me, singer? If you are singing to a group of people and you have no compassion, your anointing doesn't flow. In uh, Matthew 9, 36, 35, 36. It says that he came, he came to, Jesus went to the cities and the, and the uh, teaching in their synagogue and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sick, uh, sickness and every disease among the people. 36. But when he saw the multitude, <clears throat> he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. See, what makes anointing flow is compassion. When you don't have compassion, you, you, won't let, you won't do well. I don't care how powerful your prayer is. If you don't have empathy on the person you are praying, anointing doesn't flow. I don't care how powerful your ministration is. If there's no compassion, it blocks you. Are you getting it? That's why you, you, the leader, you must have a very soft heart. Very soft heart. Because that soft heart is what allows anointing to flow from you to somebody else. When you empathize, you see, when you look at somebody and you can empathize, that you can put yourself in their shoes, you can understand why they do what they are doing. You can understand why they are going through what they are going through. Are you getting what I'm saying? Because you see, in every bad person, there's some good. In every good person, there's some bad. There's nobody who is good, gooder than anybody. And there's nobody who is bad, badder than anybody. <laughs> are you getting it? So if you're going to be a good pastor and a great shepherd, you must be able to put yourself in their place. Why is this person so promiscuous? Why? Why? Why is this person so sinful? 
Why is this person always lying? Why? Why is this you go, you put yourself, if you are in the person's shoes, if you have walked one mile in the shoes that the person has walked, maybe yours won't be, be able to talk about yours. You, you won't be promiscuous. You'll be what? You'll be worse, worse, than, worse than this person. See, if you can put yourself in the person's shoes, then it's easier to minister to them. See, most of us, we are very judgmental. We are very judgmental. We draw conclusions easily. We castigate people easily. We malign people easily. We condemn people so easily because we have not walked in the shoes that people have walked. You have never been on drugs before. So you don't know what sti- why people steal. If you have been on drugs before, you know that the thing that is pushing you to steal is bigger than the, 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 the threat of jail. <laughs> I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and so it helps you to minister to the person better. You've never been homeless before. So hmm, why are they smelling? If you have been homeless before and gone for days without bathing, You have compassion. You minister to them better. Do you understand what I'm saying? Love without compassion is not love. Ministry without compassion is not ministry. Leadership without compassion for the people you are leading. It's not, mini- it's not leadership. Because it's so easy to write people off. So easy. It's the easiest thing. It makes life easier. When you have a troublesome person, nah. too bad. But if you can, if it was your child, if it was your daughter, if it was your sister, if it was your cousin, how would you want them to treat? How would you want others to treat them? In spite of all the somewayness that they have been. And that will allow you to minister better to them. Are you, are you, are you getting what I'm saying? Yeah. It's not all, always about judgment. Grace and mercy comes before judgment. They are stronger than judgment. Hallelujah. Let me give you one last one. Let me go. 22. 22, quickly. Have you learned something today? And see, now I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem. Stop there. He was going bound where? To Jerusalem. Because he was being led by what? See? Being led by the spirit is a character trait. A character trait. You understand what I'm saying? Being led by the Spirit of God is a character trait. Bible says that they that are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. True sonship is being spirit-led. So uh, um, I think my time is up. I won't have time to break this down. So I'll give you broad strokes, and we'll carry on from there from here next week. But you see. Most of us as Christians, we don't understand the spirit of God. Because we, we lean towards the spooky bits. My son, my son, my son. You understand? It's like the, it's the weird things that spirit says that I should do. No, no, no. There's a scripture that I want to share with you. Oh, stop it. First Corinthians 12, 1 to 3. Concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. This is Paul talking. He says that spiritual things, if you don't take care, you walk in ignorance. And believe that that is spirituality. And yet you are in ignorance. Because spirituality, it is more about fruits. 
than the spooky. I don't know whether you understood what I meant by that. Spirituality, real spiritual and anointing is more about fruits than. You see, the reason why the Pharisees had issues with Jesus all the time was because if he was anointed, he would not allow certain people around him. He would not allow prostitutes and demon-infested people to sit and eat around him all the time, contaminating his spiritual soul, his spirituality, contaminating his anointing and his, his, uh, his sort of binding and casting them out. He allows these demonic, demon-infested people to live around him. And that made them very mad. But the Bible says that the spirit that was in Jesus was without measure. For all of us, God has given us a measure of faith. Our anointing is measurable. But for Jesus, his anointing was, that's why we call him Jesus Christ. There's the anointed and his anointing. The word Christ is not, it's not his name. It's a title, if you like. The anointed and his anointing. His anointing was par excellence, was beyond everybody else. It was not measured. But if you look at Jesus, I mean, take your time and study Jesus. Very rarely would you see him do anything. Very, very rare. Sit with the Gentiles, eat with them, talk. There's no... Lot of no, no, no. Go and study Jesus very well. Go and study the Bible and understand what I'm trying to say. So Paul is saying that I don't want you to be ignorant of spirituality. You were idol. You were Gentiles carried away by dumb idols. See, he, what he was saying is that you have the idol, uh, idolatric tree in you. So you equate spirituality with all this idol worship. Are you with me? For, for most of us, we understand. Most of us who come from Africa and Ted, we understand the spooky. You understand what I'm saying? So we, we, we tend to lean towards that. To be more spiritual, you have to be. You understand what I'm trying to say? But he says that, listen, don't be ignorant. And don't be led away. Then he goes on to say, this is what I call real spirituality. Therefore, I make known to you that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. Which means that no man speaking in anointing would deviate from Christ and the message in the Bible. So if you want to measure anointing, check the, the, how they line up with Scripture. I want to talk about Jesus. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory as the glory of the Son, the only begotten. So what is what is trying to say is that the word is embodied in Jesus Christ. So no man who is operating in spiritual power and all those type of things will go outside the scripture. Anything outside the word of God is suspect. <laughs> are, you, are you getting what I'm saying? Because that he says that that no one speaking by the spirit of God calls Jesus a curse. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And no man can decipher the word except through them. So you want to see spirit, real spirituality is the dissemination of the word. That is real spirituality. Hallelujah. Am I talking to somebody? Yeah. What brings real anointing? What will make you become a deeper Christian? It's not the, the mystical, magical thing. No, no. It's by you knocking down to study the word. As newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Because when you grow in the word, you grow in your prayer life. 
When you grow in the word, you grow in anointing. When you grow in the word, you grow in your behavior and character. When you grow in the word, you grow in your love for God. Are you getting it? The reason why you are not growing is because you have deviated from the thing that you grow thereby. I'm not making sense. The thing that will make you grow, you are not. It's like somebody saying that I am not growing. And then you check, they haven't eaten for two weeks. <laughs> it's a rocket science that you are not growing. You say, I'm not, I'm not putting on weight. You haven't eaten for two weeks or three weeks. Everybody who doesn't eat for three weeks will lose weight. It's not rocket science. Spiritual equ- equation is the same. Physical equation is the same. You say, Pastor, I, I'm not feeling the spirit. I'm losing weight spirit, spiritually. Yes, because you're not eating. Because when you eat, you grow. See a baby, uh, Sunday, somebody brought me their baby. I, I don't think I've held a baby that young in a very long time. So I noticed something. The baby was very unsteady. You know, they do some... He's like, hey. <laughs> I was the baby. Was like, you know, it's like it's almost as if the baby hasn't got his. He's not in, in control of his own body. So I was holding, you know, and as I was holding the baby, I was alone in the office with the baby. I was holding the baby. And the Lord just ministered to me. That is how you are when you're a child, spiritual child. The feeding, the same small feeding that is fed, that will make you become six foot two, strong one day. It's the food in time. Food in time. With a little care, and a little hair. Because I was saying, I, I felt like I released my hand. This baby is dead. <laughs> because the child could do. I haven't held the child that young for a while. This child is very helpless. Very helpless. Without my hand, this child is a dead, is a goner. Are, are you getting it? Yeah. But that's it. You just give it time and keep feeding and keep loving and keep protecting and feeding. Loving, protecting, feeding, loving, protecting, feeding, loving, protecting. By the time you realize, if I you you struggle to to control them, are you getting it? Yeah. That is how you get become spiritual. See, our dumb, we are Gentiles. Let's not forget. We are following idols. So that idol type of thing is still there. So it, it makes us, we feel that one is more powerful than. So he's saying, I don't want you to be ignorant. I want to teach you real spirituality. Real spirituality is somebody who cannot call Jesus a curse. Real spirituality is somebody who proclaims Jesus as Lord. Real, which is the real word. He didn't say that by tongues you grow thereby. He didn't say by fasting. I'm not against tongues. I'm not against fasting. You grow thereby. So I'm, the more I pray and fast, the more I become spiritually mature. He never said that. He said as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word and then you grow. You understand? It's like saying that a child, that baby I was holding, I'm going to give the baby weights. Let them start doing push-ups. <laughs> so that they'll get muscles and become strong. Because if you read Jude and verse 20, 20, it says that as you, beloved, building yourselves in your most holy faith, speaking in tongues. Put Jude and verse 20 on. Speaking in tongues. <laughs> Have you seen it? He says that is muscles. He says that, beloved, building yourselves up in what? Your most holy faith. 
praying in the Holy Spirit. That's like doing muscles. But if you are not grown, how can you do press-ups and push-ups? Which means that before you get to this point, as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow. And as you keep growing and keep growing and keep growing, then you get to the place where you can do exercise. Are you with me? Because it gets to a point you, can't, you have to now do exercise on top of the food you have eaten so that you become stronger and achieve better. 